Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I am so glad that you could join me for Happy Hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 191. A few major, what, updates, life events this week that I am excited to tell you guys about. First off, I want to pick up on our wild New York trip and losing our luggage, that whole mess. So if you are new here, if you didn't hear last week's podcast, Shane and I had this crazy flight to New York. You know, we went from one family vacation to a couple's trip for an event within 12 hours. I've got it all up on my Instagram and a highlight. You can go watch it. It's absolutely ridiculous. Long story short, Air Canada lost our luggage, right? And we were going to this like fancy Nicole Kidman hosted event. It was wild. It was wild. And we're like, we're screwed. We don't have any luggage. What do we do? Do we have time to go to Value Village and get like some hilarious outfits there? But there were delays and cancellations. We didn't have time to do that. So we ended up going and finding outfits at Zara. And I think we were pretty successful. Like Shane and I, and I, I'm not trying to sound pompous or anything, but I think we looked really good. Anyhow, We were worried that Air Canada wasn't going to reimburse us the full amount, whatever. We've never experienced lost luggage before. But we heard back today from Air Canada, and they are giving us, I think, a little bit more even than the amount we spent because we are allotted more, and I made some returns. Anyway, we're getting everything back, plus they're giving us 20% off of a family flight. So that's up to four people getting 20% off of a flight. That's huge. And we have three years to use that discount. So like maybe use it for somewhere big and expensive. I don't know, but that's exciting. And I'm so happy that it worked out. I had lots of people messaging that it would work out, that they've never been totally screwed over with lost luggage. So I'm thrilled about it. I didn't think it was going to work out that well, to be honest. So all's good in that regard. If you do lose your luggage, have no fear. You're going to have a little more stress on your plate. But looks like you're going to be able to do a little shopping spree and get it covered. So that basically concludes our experience with the crazy New York Times. And I want to move on to another kind of like a a milestone. I don't know if you'd call it a milestone, but something that we recently hit that I think is super important in our like our parenting journey, especially as millennial, quote unquote, gentle parents. All right. So we've talked about on this podcast before, Shane and I, about how we will put the kids into something or we'll do something with them. But then if they don't like it, we're going to take them out. Like if they don't really don't like it. You know what I mean? So last year we had Lucy in basketball every Sunday. And I mean, she loves basketball. She does a basketball camp every summer that she talks about all year long. She has a blast, but there was something about these particular lessons, this house league. And I think it had to do with the fact that, you know, she was one of the smaller kids. She was the one of the most unskilled kids at the time, but obviously had to do with her age and just being so young. And Every week, she was getting a little more disheartened, a little more disheartened. Then her best friend quit. And then it was, you know, a different story altogether. But she kept going. And then like two weeks after her best friend quit, a girl who was like two years older than her, they're doing drills beside each other. And Lucy loses control of her basketball and it rolls over to the other girl and makes her basketball go away. And then the girl 
gets mad at Lucy. And I'm watching this from the sidelines and I'm like, oh man, like a big kid is getting mad at Luce. She's going to be so embarrassed already. And this girl's making her feel like shit. And I felt so terrible, right? Like, you know that feeling as a parent, if you've ever done something like this. And I'm watching, I'm like, oh, please get through it, baby. Please get through it. Please get through it. And she grabbed her basketball, stopped there, hung her head. And then when she lifted up her head again, her bottom lip is sticking right out. Her eyes are huge and they're just welling with tears. And then she just sprinted to the sidelines and just started crying. She was humiliated. It was awful. So after that, I was like, you know what? I don't want to put her through this humiliation anymore. She really hates it. She doesn't want to be here. She doesn't want to be around these kids maybe. So we took her out. Even though we paid for, you know, maybe another month and a half worth, we took her out because it just wasn't worth it at that time. It's only worth it to us. And this was has been our thinking up to this point is that it's only worth it if it's fun, if we're all having fun learning and doing something, whatever. Anyway, that was last year. Flash forward to right now, this week. All right, so the girls have been doing swimming lessons now for a couple months at the YMCA. It's great. The pool's warm. The instructors are super sweet. But they're like so introductory, these lessons. And I mean, my girls can swim with puddle jumpers on. They love the water. They're around the water a ton. And they're super confident in the water. And this is where I have an issue. They have so much water confidence but zero ability to swim. I mean, like they'll go in the deep end, they'll go running around with their puddle jumpers on, but the second those puddle jumpers come off, they are dead drowned at the bottom of the pool. I know this. I get that. And that's why I'm like, all right, these YMCA lessons are not up to snuff. We got to step it up a little bit. So I've been on a wait list for a year, a year okay, with this swim instructor. She's really well known in my city. She does lessons uh, with her sister and they use somebody's private pool inside their house that they can go all year long. So I'm waitlisted for a year, finally get in. And leading up to the lesson, the woman who is like super kind, super sweet, very caring, she's telling me, she's like, uh, just to let you know, I was like, what, what kind, are your kids excited for this? Or what are they looking forward to? And I was like, well, to be honest, they love the water, but neither one of them will put their faces underwater. They are terrified of being underwater. And then she started explaining to me that, you know, especially in the beginning, she solely focuses on water safety. So that is, you know, what to do if you get water in the face, going underwater, knowing how to hold your breath underwater, swimming to the side and grabbing the side of a pool or something like that until somebody can help you. And it's all kind of defensive swimming in a way. So I go, yeah, they they hate going underwater, like won't do it. <laughs> and she told me, she goes right off the bat and she goes, you know, Alex, they may have a rough time in the first few classes, if that's the case. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, what, what do you mean? What's a rough time? What do you mean by that? And she goes, well, my last kid that was like this was scratching me in the face. And I left the lesson with scratch marks from my forehead to my chest. And he spent the whole time crying and yelling and trying to get out of the water. And I was like, oh, OK. So I'm, you know, trying to mentally prepare myself for what this could be like. And I'm thinking, I'm like, hopefully, 
you know, the girls have been, they're around water so much. Hopefully they're not that bad and they can kind of overcome that fear. So I told Shane and I, I kind of prepped him for what to expect, right? So we go to this house on Sunday and the girls are pumped. I told them that they're getting private swimming lessons in a warm pool inside somebody's house. They cannot wait. First five minutes, they're so excited. Then after that first five minute mark, when their head gets dunked, all hell freaking broke loose. I am telling you, it was, oh, it was part hard to watch and part, don't judge me for this, part kind of hilarious. Only hilarious because I knew that they were in amazing, capable, knowledgeable, caring hands and me and Shane were there too. It was a very safe situation and they were just going so overboard in 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 their fighting these lessons and wanting to leave. So when it first started, right, I mean, this woman put their heads underwater. She said, okay, hold your breath. And she was trying to teach them how to blow out and get water out of their nose after they go underwater. But the girls don't like going underwater. So she pulled them under, had them blow out, and they did great. And then the second they blew out, they go, that was scary. And then just started screaming and crying and say, get me out of here. I hate this place. So initially, Shane and I, again, we're hoping that they wouldn't do this, right? We knew it was a possibility, but we were hoping that they'd overcome this. Uh, And we're kind of looking at each other, not sure how to react, not sure how to support the teacher, not sure how to support the kids. And I saw, he's not here to defend himself or explain otherwise, but I saw, I looked over to Shane and I saw him wiping away a tear. And I could tell that as much as we wanted the kids to do this, I could tell he he was just struggling with that initial kind of jarring reaction that they had. So anyway, we get through the first, you know, 10 seconds of that, which was the most grueling. And then we're like, all right, well, this is how they're going to be for the lesson then because they're scared and they don't want to go beyond their comfort zone even though everything is very safe. So the next 20 minutes went on, you guys, and it was, oh my God, I felt so bad for whatever kid was coming in next, I tell you, because my girls were screaming bloody freaking murder, all right, to the world's nicest woman, by the way. This lady is speaking through their screams in the softest, kindest voice, explaining what they were doing, why they were doing it. And then in between the girls' turns, they're coming out of the water because they think we're not going to put them back in. And Shane and I are hugging them and telling them why they're doing this. It's for safety. It's about safety so you can swim, so you can survive, whatever. And it was tricky. But it became, honestly, kind of more funny and just confusing than anything else. And for Shane and I, who have been, you know, happy to take our kids out of things, we went in as United Front saying, all right, we're going to support our kids. We're going to give them comfort. We're going to give them reassurance and hugs in between their turns. But we're going to put our foots down our feet down, foots down, feet down. We're going to put our feet down and we are going to together, you know, make sure our kids know that we're not budging on this. This lesson, these lessons are non-negotiable. They need them for, you know, first of all, swimming is just a great life skill. Like I want them to know how to be able to swim. 
but for safety. We're at the cottage all summer. They're on boats. They're on the dock. God forbid they fall in and don't know what to do with themselves. So that's really scary, right? And even we've got like we've gone on vacation a few times this year. And when we were in Mexico in February, there was quite an undertow in the ocean. My girls didn't go in because they were scared. But another little girl went in and she got swept and luckily found a rope like that was maybe about 40 feet out in the ocean. And she held on to that until safety. But she got swept and she wasn't strong enough to swim back. So I'm like, oh, my God, that could have been an awful situation. We need to do what we can to mitigate these situations and ensure their safety. So we are putting our feet down, making sure that they go through these lessons, regardless of how much they dislike them. And it's weird because everything with like gentle parenting and everything that we have been doing, like our own made up ethos that we've kind of adopted, it's all been, you know, well, what's the kids say? Do we, do they have consent to do whatever they're doing? If they say no, we're going to stop. Like if my kid is tickling, I'm tickling them or if I'm kissing them and they say no, I'm stopping. Yet they're saying no to being in this swimming lesson and to having this woman, you know, practice dunking their heads and I'm not stopping it. So I'm a little, I was a little bit conflicted. I am a little bit conflicted, honestly, because it's tricky because it's like everything that I have done to this point, everything that I've taught them that we will stop if you say no, blah, blah, blah. We're throwing that out of the window in the name of safety, in the name of staying alive. So it's tricky. It's nuanced. And honestly, I don't know if they're young enough to understand that nuance. But anyway, it it worked out. We did the half hour swimming lesson. We got out of there and the kids are crying in the backseat, right? And telling me that they never want to go back again. And then again, Shane and I just reassuring them. And then that night, Lucy comes up to me and she goes, mommy, I think I have a plan. I don't know what she's talking about. I go, okay, what's your plan? She goes, I want to go to the YMCA every night after school and practice my swimming and practice going under the water so that next week at my lesson, I'm not scared anymore and I don't cry as much. And I was like shocked and happy and relieved and proud of her for coming up with like identifying the problem, saying, okay, I'm scared at swimming lessons because it's something that I can't do. Figuring out a way, a plan of action to overcome that fear And now she's on me to put it in place. Like this morning when we woke up, she goes, mommy, we didn't go swimming last night. And I was like, oh, like this is serious. You want to do this. Okay, well, maybe we can't make it to the pool, but we can practice in the bathtub. So she's now working out ways with me to make sure it happens. And honestly, that's the type of drive that I don't know I had when I was a kid. So it's amazing to see. And I was thinking about, you know, parenting experts I've heard from and things like that. And everything is conflicting. Like you're going to read things online that say, keep your kids in the swimming lessons, keep your kids in the sport, even if they say no. And then you're going to find people saying, no, get them out of there. If it's not working for them, it's not working. Get them out. You don't want to scar them, whatever. But I found something that Dr. Becky said. And honestly, I think half her stuff advocates for pulling her out of the lessons. But this one thing that I found applies to keeping her in. And that's the fact that the goal of parenting isn't solely happiness, right? The goal of parenting isn't simply your kid's happiness. If it was, oh my God, all the stress and anxiety we're about to encounter for the rest of our lives, that's impossible. 
the goal of parenting, and this is partly Dr. Becky, partly kind of what I've come up with, is happiness, yes, but independence, the ability to navigate the world, overcome fears, fail and pick yourself up from that, learn, trust others. There's so many things, right, that we want to teach our kids. And in this one instance, I'm going to use this as my time to put my foot down and say, okay, I'm not going to listen to your nose here. I'm going to keep you in. And I don't know. I think frig, a goal of parenting is keeping my kids alive. That's a pretty damn good goal. And if the goal of keeping my kids alive is these swimming lessons, then you know what? I'm doing it. So Shane and I are feeling good about it. And if you guys have experience with this, please write in, talk to me about it because I am still so interested in hearing other people's perspectives. But I do feel, I think every day that passes, I feel more confident in this decision, even though it's hard, even though it's, you know, a departure from how we normally parent. I really do feel good about it when <laughs> deep inside when I get past the screams. But again, if you have if you have experience with it, if you have thoughts on it, I don't care if you think I'm a monster for this. Tell me, write in. Tell me I'm a monster, but in a nice way so you don't hurt my feelings. And I really am truly uh, just looking looking to hear more about it. So that is one time on the weekend that Shane and I were a united front, and I feel so good about that. But I'm gonna uh, break off and tell you about when we were not a united front this weekend. Uh, much to my annoyance, all right? I was like, family, I got us into the best farm in the city. We're going to get a Christmas tree. It's going to be great. I could really use some Christmas cheer in this house. And Shane didn't want to go. Straight up was like, Alex, it's too early. I don't want to go this weekend. And I was like, babe, the farm is freaking sold out for every other weekend. We can't even get in if we want to. We got to go somewhere else. And he was like, yeah, well, we didn't go to that farm last year and we had the best tree. And he's right. We had a beautiful scotch pine last year, my first time getting that tree. It was amazing. If you have the opportunity to get that kind of tree, highly suggest it. It looks beautiful. But I was like, yeah, babe, but you know what? I don't care about last year. I'm feeling like this year I need some Christmas joy a little bit early. I want to hold on to that. Like I want to savor it. You only get Christmas for a month give me a month and two weeks. You know what I mean? We're paying 150 bucks for a friggin' tree. I want to make the most of it. So anyway, we have a little debate. We decide to go get the tree, but the whole time I can tell, and he's like being normal, but I can tell him like, oh, he's probably thinking this is way too early. He's thinking I'm stupid. And do you guys ever get like that where you just, you stew about something that the other person in the relationship isn't even making any kind of big deal about at all? Like Shane's just cutting down the tree like a normal dude, a normal dad. And I'm sitting there being like, oh, he probably thinks this is so stupid. Meanwhile, we're doing the thing I want and everybody's being happy. I should be happy, but I, it was hard. It was really hard. Anyway, we got the tree. We ended up having a really good time. And I'm telling you this story, guys, as a precautionary tale, okay? And here's the thing. I know you're not all as scatterbrained as me and Shane are. I know you're not all as, I'm not going to say ditzy, but I can't think of a better word. So I'm going to say ditzy as me and Shane are because I think he can be ditzy too sometimes. Anyway, we get the kids in the car. 
put the tree on the top of the car. We're excited. We got the best freaking tree there was. We're about to drive home and decorate it looking good. And we're wrapping it up, right? We got the twine. We're wrapping it up on the top of the car. And then we go to get it in the car after we wrapped it up. And we can't open the doors. Because these two bozos, the two hosts of this podcast who also happen to be idiots just opened the windows and then wrapped the twine and the tree through the open windows, thus essentially locking the doors of the car to the car itself. Okay, so we have just used like 200 feet of twine and wrapped them through all four car windows to keep that tree on there. And that tree wasn't going anywhere, but neither were our doors. So we had, what I don't know, three family chores to do after before we were even able to go home and take the tree off the hood of the car. So we ended up having to do our chores. And every time we had to go in and out of the car, we had to go through the windows. The kids hated this, okay? Shane and I kind of thought it was funny. The kids were like crying and wondering what happened to our car to make it break. Why did we have to go through the windows? It was ridiculous. Don't do what we did. But again, I know you guys aren't bozos like us. Uh, but regardless, PSA, in case any of you do walk the bozo line. But with this being said, our Air Canada story, the swim lessons discussion, the don't be a bozo PSA, I'm going to move on to the mailbag segment. Hey everyone, this is the mailbag segment. I am here where was I before? I'll never tell. But this is the mailbag segment where we take your listener questions and answer them. Do you guys actually, and actually is capitalized as if this person is putting emphasis on it, but do you guys actually like Magic Mind? So when they say like, I think they're asking if it works. Because yes. you really like the taste of Magic Mind. Yeah, it's like pineapple goodness. Yeah, I and you're more like, you'll do it one shot. I'm, I'm a sipper. I don't, I don't know why. Sometimes things in little containers, like I sip them because my brain is like, oh, this is like a shot. It's going to taste bad. And Magic Mind tastes good to me. You just love it. You'll gulp it in one. So we like the taste for sure. So do we like it? Yes. Does it work? Which I really think is the question here. I feel like it does. And I truly do. Mm -hmm. um, I've taken it for what? Three weeks a month? Yeah. I'm not sure. About three weeks, I think. And I feel sharper. I feel mm -hmm. clearer. I'm not a scientist, but I've, I've tried many <laughs> things in my life that I could say definitely didn't work or worked so little that I yeah. didn't even notice it. This feels like a net positive overall. I do recommend it. Um, yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I recommend giving it a try because it might be something that works for you. Like I have realized that my coffee intake has decreased a ton because my coffee intake got really high when I was on mat yeah. leave with Betty and it just hasn't gone back down since then but I don't like I don't even really think about it do you know what I've noticed about you what you're just and I'm not saying this is solely because of magic mind but <laughs> you're just reading all the time now and you would never read before and I was thinking I wonder if there's a correlation between Alex just constantly reading and mm -hmm. not doom scrolling on her phone with magic mind I wonder Maybe. Maybe. Um, so, yeah. For us, yes. Uh, again, mm -hmm. like try it, try it out for yourself. I, f 
I, and I also, I scour the internet. I was looking for people who yeah. said it didn't really work for them. You can't really find too many people saying negative yeah. things or even neutral things. Uh, so, yeah. No, I'm super and, into and, it. and like a lot of shows I listen to, people I respect have talked about it. I tend to think it really does work for focus, especially if you're kind of ADHD adjacent or if you have ADHD person like me who has trouble maybe focusing maybe a person who's drinking too much coffee it, it does help with that mm-hmm. um and yeah and, uh, full disclosure too they they are a sponsor and i know sometimes like oh you're just saying that because whatever but we've if you've been listening to this pod for any amount of time you know we only get sponsors with products we actually use actually believe in we do have a promo code mm-hmm. which is so it'll save you 20 percent uh from a one-time purchase the promo code is family tree 20 uh, and you can go to magicmind.com slash family tree and you'll be good. Save you 20%. Goes far. And the next question has to do kind of with health as well. So what are your thoughts on the cozy cardio trend? Now, have you heard of this? Because I had to Google the term before answering this. Cozy cardio trend. You're on a couch and you're on a treadmill? On a couch on a treadmill. So like what? Like your feet are just moving while you're sitting? Yeah, you're kind of relaxed looking at a iPad or a TV and your feet are moving away like Barney Rubble. <laughs> you know what? That would probably qualify. So when I was looking it up, I was seeing a lot of um, like treadmills, like mini treadmills without the whole thing to grab and whatnot. So it's basically just a treadmill that you put under a stand-up desk. So when you're working at home, you could be walking while you're doing the work. And my thought is, I love that. I don't know why anybody would have a thought where they didn't love that. It seems great, especially if you're stagnant for so much of the day sitting. That's so bad for you, especially multiply it by years and hours, everything. I think it's a great trend if that's what it is. But what else could it be? You mean, if that's what it is, you seem skeptical. Well, I don't know. I I just don't know why anybody would think, oh, this is silly or this is not a good idea. Are people thinking that? Yeah. Yeah. Why is that? I guess it has to do with the fact that people are maybe substituting that for an a workout where they're getting their heart rate up for like 30 minutes at a time, getting a good sweat on, which is what your body needs, I think, to maintain good heart health. So I think people are thinking that, like tricking themselves into thinking that they're getting a good workout in. But I just, I think overall, if you could do like cozy cardio, which Sounds amazing. That's better than not working out at all. Of course. And if you're doing eight hours of cozy cardio, that's probably the equivalent of one hour of real cardio. Oh my gosh. Even just like if I'm working outside of the house for my job, I have to do 75 minutes of kind of like supervision a day. And that 75 minutes, especially if I'm walking at a good clip, I can get my heart rate up to a degree, not like if I'm working out, but it makes such a difference in my overall health. And I can, I can feel it in my muscles. I can see it, everything. Oh yeah. And the summertime, I'm walking some days, 40,000 steps. Oh, before we had kids, do you remember that summer where we were doing like 40K a day? Yeah. I've, but I'm saying since we've gone back to work, I've had weeks where I've done 30,000, 40,000 oh, every amazing. day. That's insane. That's amazing. So, because every time you call me when I'm at work, a lot of time you'll be like, oh, are you out on a walk? I'll say yes. I walk to work from the train. Then I walk on my lunch break. Then I will, if I have to have some brainstorming to do, I'll walk my entire brainstorm. And then I walk to my train. And then when I get off at the train, it's about an hour walk to get home uphill. Yeah, I was just going to say. 
So usually that is between 30 and 40,000 steps a day. No, it's amazing. Every day. And when you're not doing it, you can probably tell like in how you feel and how you look. Totally. Everything. If I don't change my intake and like what I'm eating, mm-hmm. but I change my steps, it's drastically different because 40,000 steps, how many calories do you think that burns? I have no idea. Over 2,000. No. Yeah. Wow. So I'm essentially burning what me as a man, my calorie uh, expectation for the day is about 2,000 calories. I'm burning that entire thing. So I almost have to to keep up and keep my energy Mm -hmm. up, eat two days worth of food. What I usually do is eat a day and a half worth of food. And then you end up, you know, staying in reasonable shape. No, that's amazing. For, for me, for what my goals are. I mean, like everyone, for what reasonable shape is, is, uh, you know, I know it's a, a scale that everyone has mm. different expectations. Well, honestly, and that's like me. If I get a one hour walk in a day, I'm meeting my personal fitness goals in a lot of ways. But yeah, co- cozy cardio. I love the idea. Yeah, because these st- when it's a treadmill too, we got to keep in mind, they're not real steps because the ground is moving and giving you that, not giving you resistance. It's giving you What's the opposite of resistance? Um, it's pushing you forward. It's propelling you. It's, it's giving you propulsion. <laughs> That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. So overall, I forgot what the question was, but Do I you think like we- it. Do you like it? Cozy cardio trend. Thoughts on it? Good. Yeah. Same. Good. Uh, okay. The next question. The lyrics in nursery rhymes are quite dark if you really listen to them. Why haven't they been canceled and why were they sung to children? So- 100% dark. I mean, when we were in Florida, the kids were loving for some reason in the pool. They'd get the whole family to hold hands. And then we'd go in circles in the water singing Ring Around the Rosy. Mm-hmm. And like, you know the lyrics to that, right? Ring Around the Rosy, Pockets Full Posy. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. It has to do with people dying from the plague. Oh, okay, maybe that's the meaning, but ashes, <laughs> ashes, we all fall down doesn't seem that Because you turn gratuitous. into ashes. Okay, but that takes a, lo- a leap of faith to... Well, th- this is the thing. So a lot of nursery rhymes were, they're like sing-songy tunes that you could teach them to kids so that they could like remember these life lessons. All the Mother Goose ones, they're pretty dark. Like even... um. Give me an overt one though. Like one that's not hi- wrapped in hidden meaning. Okay, what about Rockabye Baby? Rockabye Baby on the treetop. Um, when the wind blows, the baby will rock. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall and down will come baby cradle and all. So the, the baby. baby's presumably going to get very hurt. You're dead, yeah. Yeah. There's one about, I was reading a book, and it's like something about a king and a knave and a something. Maybe I think Humpty Dumpty's about a king falling in. No, this was in that book we have up at the cottage. I used to read it to Lucy every night. Oh. But a king's like taking a beating or something. Yeah. See, none of them are good. Like Jack Horner sticking his thumb in pies and... I, I think so. That's like a bacteria concern. Like he's going to get know. everyone sick. I forget how the end of that one goes, but they are dark, and I don't think they're cancelable because they're not. They're not saying anything wrong. They're still, even if it's hundreds of years after that they were originally written or passed on, they're not saying anything bad. Most of them, right? They're just giving kind of grim, macabre warnings on things. Yeah, it is interesting, and it does. Sometimes you get interesting questions that you never thought of from children after you say one of those nursery rhymes. And you just, it's like singing a song. You never think about it. Do you think Jack and Jill is about a double suicide? Jeez. Um, or or a, like a Romeo and uh, Juliet situation. So Jack falls down and breaks his crown and Jill comes tumbling after. Does she throw herself down the hill to keep up with Jack? 
Well, I think she's she's worried about Jack. So she sometimes under duress, you might lose your footing because you're so concerned. Because you're taking like I'm taking breaks his crown as like the crown of his skull, right? So yeah, but I don't I don't think that's certain death. In those days, it's got to be. Yeah, well, you probably have to take really good care of the skull after it's cracked. <laughs> um, so yeah, I looked it up, and basically, a lot of these mother goose rhymes and whatnot, sing songy things, were warnings or political messages, things like that. And now we just kind of say them without thinking about them, and then when we stop, we're like, "Oh, this is weird." Is but the goose a Republican or a Democrat? No idea. No idea. What's the middle one called? What's the other one? Republican, Democrat. In Canada, we've got um, conservatives, oh, liberals. Conservative. Yeah, then what else? And then we've got NDP, we've got Green Party. But in the States, what do they have? It's Democrats? It's two. They've got... Oh, there's the, not a middle one? No, they've got conservatives Jeez. and Democrats. Well, good thing we're not a political podcast. <laughs> we'd, be, we'd be sunk. Uh, the next question. What is both of your favorite physical features about each other? I feel like this is a repeat question, but... Favorite physical. Let me take a look at you here. Could you do a little turn? All right. Doing a My goodness. turn. Well. A dance. I would say. She's looking at me thoughtfully. Well, for people who know Alex, she's got a lot of good features going Get on. Get out. Get out? Um, yeah, she, her smile can't be beat. Like, if you see Alex's teeth, they can't be beat. They're actually infuriating. <laughs> I've got like the sh- sh- worst teeth, I'll say. You know what I wanted to say, but family podcast. But Shane, what? this is sneaky because my teeth, although very white and straight for never having had braces, I am very prone to cavities. And this is in, Alex, in part, I'm, Shane, I get cavities. No one cares if they're looking at you. If I was to say, maybe you could complain about that because maybe cavities are annoying. I've never had a cavity. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. And you, and you don't get cavities no matter what. So what? I, I, I wish they looked nice. <laughs> I look like I'm riddled with cavities. I'd rather look like I've never had a cavity than not have a cavity and have like teeth hanging by threads in my gums. <laughs> the image of that teeth hanging by threads and gums. So if I was if I was you and I had to live having my t- gums riddled with cavity, I don't even know what it feels like. That would be a bad thing. But as a viewer of you yeah. and just the person who gets to enjoy your appearance and your presence, <laughs> I would say your teeth and your smile work nicely. I hate smiling. I hate my smile. This isn't about me. What's your uh, thing? <laughs> okay. I thought about this for a while. I love your nose. And I think it is my favorite physical feature of yours because I think it, first of all, nose is the center of the face, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it sets the tone for your whole vibe in general. And your nose just perfectly accompanies the rest of your face. And I think it just gives you a super strong, manly, sexy look. And I'm very into it. And I I, I really like that. Oh, I don't look at myself as manly. <laughs> you do look manly sometimes. Really? Mm-hmm. Never saw myself that way. Yeah. Well, take a better look at your nose the next time you're walking by a mirror. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that's a bit of a cop out of an answer. Why? I don't know. It's like taking someone's potentially worst feature and saying it's their best. That's like out of a Hallmark movie or something. Get out. Have you seen like Roman sculptures? You know I like Roman sculptures. <laughs> saying it on the other hand. That's a different story. <laughs> yes, I like Roman sculptures. 
Okay. I know. Romanos. Yes. Got you. You look like Caligula. Mm-hmm. He was a hottie. I, I actually don't know Caligula. I know the, <laughs> I know the film. I've yeah. watched it on mute several times a year. What? That's starring Helen Mirren, by the way, for I those know. who don't know. Oh, I know. It's like a a very a sex-riddled film about the Roman Empire mm-hmm. starring Helen Mirren. Yeah. I've been to <laughs> Helen and back. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Okay. Next question. Okay. Next question. What are your favorite ways to unwind and have me time? Well, besides Caligula, okay. <laughs> favorite way, me time? Honestly, video games, not what you're thinking. I'm not like with my Call of Duty helmet on, not with my wife. With the, You know, I'm not online with the fellas in the middle of a weird battle. I'm playing the original Nintendo, Zelda, with Alex, mm-hmm. which is probably... I don't know. I don't know how many people are doing that with their wives, but I'm lucky to have a wife who will do that with me. I got to say, the old video games are so fun. They're so doable. I hate the new ones because I, I never understand how the field of vision works. They're too complicated. They're too many too, buttons. Oh, my God. Too fancy. But give me a good old school video t- video game like Super Nintendo, Zelda, Toe Jam and Earl. They are fun for the whole family. And Shane and I have such a good time playing them after the kids go to bed. And it really is such a nice way to unwind from the day. And then you're working together at something. Like Shane and I are currently working together for a second time because our game got erased to get all the pieces of the Triforce so that Link saves Princess Zelda or whatever it is. Zelda is the ultimate game. The original Zelda on NES, best game, kills hours and hours of time. Not just kills hours, they're enjoyable hours. Mm -hmm. No, it's so fun. And then unlike TV, you're like... You're both kind of working towards something, using your brains, cheering each other on, mm-hmm. getting frustrated at each other, all of it. And it just honestly makes for such a fun time. And I'm not necessarily a weed guy, and I hate the perception of weed. Not that I judge anyone who does weed. I just, for, for me, I don't like looking at myself as a weed person for whatever reason, you know, built-in bias from years of it being illegal in my my life. But I have been enjoying half a weed drink from now and, mm. and then because you don't have to inhale the smoke. You get the effects of the um, the weed, which is usually re- quite relaxing and giggly, but it makes you eat a lot. That's the only downfall. Oh, I know. We get so snacky. Yeah. So that's the only downfall behind it because, you know, then it messes with my, my goals. Your 40,000 steps. It's like, what was even the point? <laughs> that's how that's how I unwind. No, I love that too. And honestly, so I'd say video games are huge. And in the past two months, we've talked about it so much on the podcast, getting into reading. And then as you guys know, we haven't gotten into reading and we've tried. I am now into reading again and it feels so nice. And I really appreciate that as a way for me to unwind. Just kind of get lost in a world, you know, go along with the story, keep an open mind to everything that's going on. And because I'm in this book club, Downread Book Club, with a couple uh, awesome ladies, uh, Britt Ostafi, Renee Reina, both podcast guests um, or former podcast guests. But it's so fun because we're all picking different books. So they'll suggest a book that I will never have picked up. And if I just say, okay, I'm going to get into this, I'm going to enjoy it. It's so fun. And there's, I can get into anything. There's two other women in that book club who you just left out to dry. Ariana and Kayla. I was only saying because the other two have been on this podcast before. 
Okay. Out of podcast, out of mind. I see. <laughs> I see the logic. I should get Ariana on. She lives a crazy life. She's got... Well, she's, the other one is a bodybuilder. Oh. That is a life I'm interested in. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. She told me she'll help me with my, um, my triceps because I was showing her how unmuscular my triceps are. Alex is are. flapping her arms right now like she's about to go south for the winter. Or... <laughs> It's because I've got kind of wings right now and that's fine, but I just, I have no strength and I really want that strength and I want that tonage and everything. So she's going to, she's going to help me. What are you going to do with that strength? Uh, fight bad guys, open jars, sweep really fast. I like how you become Steph Tolov now, (laughs) who is a hilarious comedian known as the filth queen who puts on a very uh, interesting affectation when she's delivering like punchlines are doing crowd work and we're going to see her on december 14th i can't wait i can't wait she has i ha- i haven't meant to do this but she has become a little bit of my personality now 100 percent, and it's a great character and i i find it funny yeah but yeah i'm gonna open so many jars okay a friend of mine who has been friends for 18 years now has recently become so flaky and not a great friend, always canceling on plans and becoming a phone friend. She's recently gone to a new relationship. What advice would you give me to help me talk to her about how she's acting and treating me and her behavior being so out of character? Potentially bad advice alert here. <laughs> Ignore it. D- don't even have the conversation. F it. Let her go through that phase. Everyone goes through that phase. Friends mm-hmm. will fly in and out of your life. Like the beginning of the pandemic, I had a friend I talked to on the phone every single day. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, I get a TV show. This person, not to say that they're jealous because I don't want to jump to any assumptions, but they stopped talking to me after that. Mm-hmm. And I bet you in a year or so i'll be talking to this person all the time again it's just the little phase of life someone gets a new girlfriend they're in limerence or whatever that first flush of a relationship where they're just obsessed and they kind of block out the world they have a kid first couple years is just dealing Mm -hmm. with the kid getting used to that life they're just friends are just gone all of a sudden Mm -hmm. and they're focusing on their family the relationship whatever I say the phone is actually, I'm surprised even keeping that going is impressive because I have so many friends, just boom, they're just gone all of a sudden. Yeah. Then, you know, they get a divorce or something and then they need you. Mm-hmm. And then you're that friend's world again for the next year. And then they're gone again. So, yeah, phase of life, it happens. You might do that to that friend very shortly. So I wouldn't have some awkward conversation unless you know how to make it not awkward. But even if it's not awkward, that friend might still feel like they have to walk on eggshells around you or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough because I've been on both sides of it. Like I've seen friends maybe when I was in my 20s and my first friends to kind of get with the people that they were going to marry. I was like, oh, man, this person's fallen off the face of the earth. And then I hung out with my other single friends or whatever. And then, you know, I met Shane and then we had kids. And oh, my God, once we had kids, I... Like, I, it's so hard. It's so hard. And then on my days off, we just want to play Zelda. We want to relax because we're so wiped out and we're so exhausted. We're so overstimulated. I don't want to necessarily go out and have to, you know, be my friend version of myself. I just want to be in my PJs eating chips and playing Zelda with Shane. Yeah, I have some friends. And they're out three, four times a week. They have kids. They're married. And I've tried to keep up with them. Some, like... 
one week I'll be like, I'm going out with the guys. It's terrible. I can't, my, I don't have the energy for it. It's not fun for me. So I don't know, just maybe I'm a bad friend or maybe I'm the type of friend who only needs to see my friends twice a year. And I just pick up where everything left mm -hmm. off every, and when you're, if you know, 18 year old me, which is, I think for everyone, the peak of needing your friends is 18 mm -hmm. years old. And I think that's the statistically proven to be true you would think oh shane's so obsessed with, obsessed with his friends and it's going to be like mm -hmm. this forever but once i get in a relationship or have work responsibilities or children i don't maintain it the way some of my other friends do and some of my other friends don't maintain it as well as i do and there's mm -hmm. i don't know a spectrum i guess and and phases in life like i was saying before that we just have to acknowledge exist and trying to force it isn't going to help i don't think to be honest, I like a phone friend. All my friends are pretty much phone friends at this point. But then we make an effort to see each other a couple times a year where it's like a nice event, event and nobody flakes out on it because it's eventized. We do it so infrequently that you kind of have to be there. And it feels nice. Um, but I have this one friend, Michelle, amazing girl. We've been like best friends since grade nine. And I haven't seen her physically in three years three years, I don't think, yet I still consider her one of my best friends. And unlike any of my other friends who I maybe talk to more often, like I, we have text groups, so we're texting every day, or who I see physically more often, I will call up Michelle out of the blue and she will always pick up my call. And then we'll talk for like a half hour and say goodbye and then call her again six months later. And it's, it's just... I think the nature of certain relationships and the nature of life and like Shane said, the phases people go through and it's so hard. And ultimately, if it's making you feel crappy, I might just broach it a little bit and just be like, hey, like I feel so sad. Like I haven't heard from you in a little bit. I would really love to see you. And then kind of leave it at that. Put the ball in mm -hmm. the air court. And then, you know, if they're still going to prioritize other things, which ultimately is fine and, and we have to get more comfortable with that, then go hang out with other people more. I'm jealous of these phone friendships. I don't talk to any friend on the phone. And when I say jealous, I mean in theory, because I don't know if a friend called me, I would just hit ignore so fast that your head would spin. Everybody does. And that's why I appreciate Michelle. Nobody likes a phone call, but she answers my phone calls. You know the I think you should leave skit where they're rushing through the play because yeah. they're trying to race to get to the lines. Yeah. If I knew every phone conversation could be that quick, I would answer. But sometimes it's an hour commitment. If oh, you big talk time. To someone. I just be like, hey, how you doing? How's your wife? How are your kids? How's work? Okay, goodbye. And if it could be five minutes, I would love a phone friend. I just, I find a spare hour is rare. Well, I think phone friends includes like the texting and chat groups. But the thing is, a part of the problem there is that I've got three or four different phone friend chat groups going on and it's exhausting. So I haven't shown my face or like, I, you know, I'll pop in so they know I'm there, but I won't say anything. And then I just, I miss days and days of conversations because it's just too much. Yeah, I, I can't even text. No, it's hard. It's hard. Okay, next question. Update on the pelvic floor chair. Any noticeable differences yet? Ooh, I love this question. I'm curious <laughs> myself. All right, so I'm not cured, right? But I know this is a work in progress. And I know that I'm, this is something that's going to take a long time because it's like nine months times two. So 18 months. Two different babies screwing me up. So it's going to take, well, I don't know, somebody once told me like double that to help fix yourself. However, the pelvic floor chair really helped. 
And I have better control of my pelvic floor now. And if I can brace myself, and I mean, like if I'm about to sneeze, if I can brace my pelvic floor and hold it tight, it is now strong enough to stop me from being incontinent without actually like closing my legs or holding my crotch or something. But I do have to be ready for it. I have to be bracing for it. So that's just step one. And now I just have to keep doing that, keep strengthening that, keep working on my control. And then hopefully I'll get to a point where it just, I do it naturally. Okay. But how worth it is the chair? Like how much did it help? Did it, would it be worth the price? I'm I'm really happy with it, to be honest. If you can get some of it, I think it's more worth it if you can get some of it covered by insurance because it's really freaking expensive. Okay, so let's say normally you jump and I don't know, half a liter of piss comes out. <laughs> After the chair, how much piss comes out? I haven't even noticed it with my jumping. So the fact that I haven't even noticed it is a really good sign. The issue is I had a really bad cough uh, for the last couple of weeks. So if I'm coughing really hard, still happening. Uh, if I sneeze and I don't brace, it'll still happen. But the fact that I can brace for it now without necessarily closing my legs, that's a huge step forward for me. Mm -hmm. What I would do though first, go see a physiotherapist. And the nice thing about the chair is that like it's not invasive. So if you are afraid or uncomfortable with you know, somebody putting their hands in your vagina and, and seeing how your muscles are internally, then this is a good option for you. But I would say that the first step Go do pelvic floor physiotherapy. Go do that for a full year. Do your exercises that they give you religiously. And that might be enough to help you. It wasn't enough to help me. So that's why I went for the chair and, and it gave me that extra bit. But do physio first. See if it helps because it's cheaper and it will get covered. And then if you need extra help, then go do the chair. What an annoying problem though. It's Shane. Like to add to like women, they're getting their periods and their getting this pee problem it is insane and it, like it happens in menopause anyway mm -hmm. so it's like even if you don't have kids at all because whether mm -hmm. you give birth vaginally or c-section it has no bearing on your pelvic floor because your pelvic floor is just getting weakened by holding the baby in yeah. for nine months i remember walking like in shoppers as like a teenager i walked by the you know diaper aisle and you see like this yeah. young like a woman who looks like you young attractive woman wearing a diaper smiling <laughs> I'm like, isn't that funny that they advertise it when it's clearly just for old women, but they want to make it seem like this young, hot mom needs a diaper. But it's true. They they could potentially need them it, depending on the amount of pelvic floor control you have. Yeah. Panty liners for sure. Like yeah. a huge market for those. And it's it's honestly so sad. It's so sad because people don't talk about it because there's shame and there's stigma. And it's like, you don't want to be the young woman on the cover of the diaper thing. Well, it depends how much they get paid, but yes. Depends. Ah, oh, that's good. <laughs> Unintentional, what is that called? Unintentional puns are so yeah. common and we don't even realize it. No, I like it. But Shaney Boy, mm -hmm. let's call it here. I've okay. had a great episode. I'm me so too. happy that you joined me for that last bit. Added a little yeah. magic. Yeah, that was fun, funny, informative, I hope. I don't know. Thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast, Podcast, episode 191.